Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of, of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer Jed McKay. He is the writer for the new Moonlight series that comes out on July 21st. Jed, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for having me on the show. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, before I get into... Um, your, your history of um, writing comics for Marvel. I just want to give a big shout out to Tony White of the Comic Book Talent Agency. He, Tony was the one who arranged the, um, this interview. So Tony, thank you very much for setting this up. Do you want to add anything to that? Oh, no, say, uh, yeah, Tony's, uh, Tony's runs all my bookings and whatnots for appearances and conventions. Um, so yeah, Tony's the best. He's always looking out for me. No, but again, Tony, thank you very much. Okay, so Jed, before we start the interview, I just want to go over your history. So your first work at Marvel was back in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 2010? Yep. Okay, and it was X-Men Servant Protect number four. It was a short story called Disco Highway. Yeah. Uh, you did a couple Spider-Punk short stories for Spider-Verse tw in 2014 um, and Spider-Get It in 2018. And then after that, this led to more steady work in the last three years um, with Marvel. Um, you did um, you did work on Daughters of the Dragon, the Man Without Fear miniseries, Ghost Panther, um, a short story in Alpha Flight True North. I read that. That's very good. I love that one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and then you recently worked on Taskmaster, Taskmaster, Master and Avengers Mech Strike miniseries. Currently, you are um, working on the fan favorite Black Cat miniseries. Yep. You're also um, doing the, in, now correct me if I'm wrong, Infinite Theory, the short story backups in the Marvel Comic Annual event, Infinite, uh, Infinite um, Destinies. That's currently going on right now. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, so we've got Infinite Destinies going on. Uh, I wrote three of the annuals, uh, Iron, Iron Man Annual, Black Cat Annual, and Avengers Annual, oh. uh, as well as the, um, the five-page Fury backups that run in the back of each one with uh, Juan Freria. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of all over the place there. No, but I have to say, because I read the Iron Man Annual, and it was a nice surprise to see that little, five, um, that five, um, that little short story in the back. Mm -hmm. Pretty nice thing. So, yeah, and I'm... I'm picking up all the annuals just to deal you know, for this whole event. So, yeah. I'll help you enjoy them. Thank you. Um, and then one last, you have an ongoing series, Magic the Gathering at Bloom Studios. Did I miss anything? I think that's pretty much it. That's pretty comprehensive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Um, now, where can listeners follow you on social media? Uh, the best place to follow me is on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, it's twitter.com slash Jed McKay, J-E-D-M-A-C-K-A-Y. Um, I don't really do anything on Instagram. Uh, my Facebook is just for personal stuff. So yeah, Twitter's, Twitter's your best bet. Uh, I generally just talk about stuff I've got, com got coming out and, uh, you know, the occasional joke. Mm -hmm. not, necessarily good, not necessarily good ones, but they're there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, um, I'm going to start with your origin story. Um, where did you grow mm -hmm. up? Uh, I grew up in um, Prince Edward Island, Canada. It's uh, uh, the smallest province in Canada. It's an island off the east coast. And yeah, that's, that's where I spent my formative years out in the country, in uh, Stanley Bridge. 
okay. And then what was, what was or were your first comics that you read? I think the first comics I would have read were, you know, the comics that really, I think, got me reading in the first place when I was a kid. So I, I can look over here and see my, you know, old Bad or Tin Tin books. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you just go through, go through those just over and over again, obsessively. That and the, uh, you know, the Carl Barks, the Don Rosa, Donald Duck, and Uncle Scrooge stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I was very, you know, very keen on that. So that would be the first comics that I read. Yeah. And I think largely most of the early reading that I did. Mm hmm Excuse me. Uh, from there, I kind of moved on up to uh, you know superhero books, mostly Marvel, you know some DC stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was all stuff, all stuff from the seventies for the most part. You know, the sixties and seventies. Um, my dad had collected comic books for years during that time, mm -hmm. and so we had these you know, great big containers, uh, just piles of musty old comic books that, uh, again, we just my brother and I would just go through over and over again. Mm -hmm. uh, so. And yeah, I like you know I, I came up I came up in the '90s, but I didn't actually read many '90s comics when I was a kid because you know you got to buy new comics, whereas we have old comics at home. Yeah. So it was a pretty easy choice for my parents to make. So yeah, yeah, most of my most of my formative comic book stuff came from you know '70s comics, mm -hmm. and then you know as I got older, I got you know more interested in you know other stuff to see what else comics had to offer. Mm -hmm. um, I got very interested in looking back to like 80s black and white stuff. Uh, you know, it was a real revelation to me to get into the like the original Ninja Turtle comic books, the Eastman and Laird stuff, you know, the black and white tones. And, and it was just like totally different because, I mean, I remember like in, you know, the, the late 80s when the Ninja Turtles cartoon came out and it was like the biggest thing in the world to anyone my age. Mm -hmm. And to see what it came from was huge to me, but also to see those black and white comics, there was, it, it didn't have the same kind of polish mm -hmm. that mainstream superhero comics did, which I found really interesting and exciting mm -hmm. uh, because it was, it looked more like something that I could do mm -hmm. as opposed to something that was, you know, produced by a, a giant, you know, media conglomerate. Yes. And from there, you know, I got more interested in what sort of indie books that were coming out through the through the late '90s into the the early 2000s, mm -hmm. and yeah, and then at, at, around then is when I started wanting to make my own comic books. Okay, and then um, I'm gonna touch up. We're gonna touch up about that a little. Yeah. So okay, so Drew, the co-host for Comics for Fun and Profit podcast, mm -hmm. had this question. You know, what was your first LCS? You know, that you start to buy comics from. Um, the first local comic shop that. I spent my own money at would have been uh, Comic Hunter in uh, Charlottetown, Prince of Rhode Island. And you know, they're still there. But uh, yeah, I used to go in there. And you'd find old comics. You know, they're, they're, cause, you know, again, when you're a kid, you don't have a regular source of income. So you could buy a new comic for five or six bucks off the stands, or you could buy 10 comics from the quarter bin or the nickel bin, you know? Yes. So yeah, just, you know, be digging up stuff, seeing what, just what looked interesting, what was exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as well, you know, from there, from that shop, I also you know got into role playing games and uh, uh, like you know, magic. I was in Magic the Gathering real mm -hmm. big in the nineties. Uh, you know, stuff like Warhammer, very traditional gaming stuff, mm -hmm. or like table tabletop gaming stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was kind of my my favorite place to go to yeah. uh, when we come into the city is uh, just my one stop nerd bullshit shop. 
No, so, yeah. yeah. So, 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 shout out to comic. Shout out to Comic Hunter. Yeah. Okay. So off the cuff question, like you said, you played Magic, mm-hmm. you know, back in the night. Yeah. Do you have any of your cards from that period? I have almost all my cards from that period. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I mean, I, I look, obviously I'd look through them to see if there's anything like, you know, worth any actual money now. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got, I've got, you know, I don't have any of the, the big heavy hitters because even then I was buying cards from the quarter bin too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I've got, I've got a set of force of will cards that I think are relatively expensive now, mm-hmm. but regardless, those four cards are now worth more than all the money I ever put into my magic cards. So that's, that's kind of fun <laughs> to have. <laughs> to know it's like and you know similar to that if i didn't if i hadn't played magic when i was a kid i wouldn't be writing the magic comic books and now mm-hmm. in a funny way the money that i spent on magic when i was a kid turned out in a very real way to be an investment that is now making me money in the future <laughs> yes no yes it is that that's pretty cool it really is yeah, oh, it's kind of funny it, no but yeah but it's it's, it's great because um and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm yeah. because I'm sure your parents may have gone, oh, you're buying this, you know, don't buy this. Why are you buying? Why are you wasting your time <laughs> on this? And then now it's like thirty years later, you go, you know, hey, mom and dad, look what I'm doing. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my like my parents weren't weren't too bad on that. Uh, they were, I think they're quite happy that of all the pursuits that I got into, it was just like dumb nerd stuff with my friends. And I was like, well, I'm not getting in trouble this way. Uh, it's a lot less of a pain in our ass than him playing hockey or something like that. You know, having to get up in the morning and go up to go to the rink at 6am. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think all, all in all they're they're fairly, fairly happy with uh, that direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Now um, I'm going to circle back because I know you said that you're um, that, you know, like the, now correct me if I'm wrong, like the original teenage Ninja Mutant Ninja Turtle comics kind of, uh, kind of help you start it, kind of, you know, get you an idea of to start working comics. How did your, you know, what was the first comic that you actually wrote and published, you know, and so forth? Like your origin of um, the comics, basically. Yeah, like, so the first comics that I made, like from first, from like, to, to completion, mm-hmm. uh, was it was after the point when I realized that I wasn't going to draw my own comics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really liked to draw, but I didn't draw well enough. I didn't draw fast enough. And mm-hmm. honestly, I just didn't put the time into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hooked up with my friend, Sheldon Bella, who's in Australia. Yes. Uh, we were, we were on the same message board and, you know, that was, this would have been mid two thousands, so like 2004, 2005, 2006 mm-hmm. going around there. And it was a great time for, message boards because you know social media as we know it didn't exist mm-hmm. and instead you had these like really just really dedicated communities to a certain goal which was in this case you know making comics you know yeah. a bunch of bunch of young people young people with particular ideas or particular styles or wanting mm-hmm. to experiment and try stuff so yeah i hooked up with sheldon we started making some comics together for fun mm-hmm. uh you know they don't they don't they haven't aged well uh, at least in the writing end of it you know the art still looks great but it was enough to get Sheldon work eventually mm-hmm. with Marvel. Yes. And that's how I got my, my first um, paid job mm-hmm. was with Marvel. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, Sheldon brought me in on that job. They said mm-hmm. they hired me to do this eight page story in X-Men Serve and Protect. Mm-hmm. 
it's got to be an X-Men character joined uh-huh. up with a not X-Men character, mm-hmm. but I don't know any of these characters. So why don't you come in and write it and then we'll both, both make a paycheck off it. Yes. And that's, yeah, that was my first paid work. Wow. That's pretty cool. So, um, I'm going to add how exciting was it to see your name literally on a Marvel comic book? How, how exciting was that? It was very exciting. Uh, equally exciting was seeing my name on a Marvel paycheck. Yes. So, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Like, you know, where I'm like, I'm rural maritime Canada. And when I was a kid, you didn't think that people from rural maritime Canada made stuff in big media properties you know mm-hmm. it's just seemed like something only americans did it's, you know only people who living lived in new york would yes mm-hmm. do something like that and to see my own name on a comic book it was you know it was hugely exciting it was you know it was only eight pages is only uh you know one issue of an anthology you know a four issue anthology mini but still mm-hmm. it's just it was a real it was a real treat it's a real highlight yes and uh I was like, you know, I just I want to do this again. But yeah, so like I said, to to see you know, my name, just some you know dummy out in, out in the east coast of Canada, see my name on a, a published book like that, it was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to wanted to do it again. Yeah. And uh, you know, get my name on more books if possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you know, like I mentioned, it, and it it was it was a long period before. Marvel got back to you to do the mm-hmm. Spider-Punk um, short story in Spider-Verse in 2014. And then again, they, it took a while again before oh, yeah. they, you did another story with them in 2018 for Spider-Geddon. And then after that, th- you had just been writing from them ever since, correct? Yeah, like it's... Like when I, when I started working steadily, people were like, oh, you know, you're a real overnight success. I'm like, well, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and overnight success is, you know, 10 years in the making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like, that's, that's the thing. I did my first job. I was like, okay, great. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's do it again. And then yes. like nothing for, nothing for 40 years, just because, mm-hmm. you know, that's it's just what happens. You mm-hmm. don't have, you, you don't have a name, you don't have stuff to, or like a por- real portfolio of any sort mm-hmm. to fall back on. And you're just not going to be the first person an editor thinks of when they have work they want done. Yes. Uh, but then, you know, 2014 rolled around. Um, Nick was looking for someone to do the Spider-Punk story. Mm-hmm. And, and he got, got back to Sheldon and I said, you know, it's been a long time, but uh, if you guys are interested, we've got another eight pages for you. Uh, we've got this Spider-Punk character who's appearing, you know, on the sidelines of Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And we want to know more about him. We don't know who he is under the mask. We don't know what his world is like. We don't know anything mm-hmm. about him. So give him a name, give him a secret identity, give him yeah. a world. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really exciting. People seemed to be pretty keen on it. Um, and we're like, okay, this is it. You know, the, the Dazzler story didn't get us a, get us a, either of us careers at Marvel. But, you know, it's a Dazzler story. That's fine. Yeah. But like people, people were getting into the spider punk character and you know, this is going to be it. Yeah. And there's nothing for another four years. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, then in 2018, uh, Nick got back to us again and was yeah. like, listen, I'm, I'm putting together uh, a Spider-Punk, a full issue for uh, Edge of Spider-Geddon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, full, tw- full 20 page issue this time. And it's like, do you guys want to do it? Sheldon was busy working, uh, doing storyboards and animation. So he didn't mm-hmm. have the time to crank out 20 issues, tw- sorry, 20 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll do that. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think I turned that around. It was very, you know, it was very just like feverishly, you know, pages. Yeah. And yeah, so when that came out, you know, I said to Nick, I'm like, you know, this has been, it's been a lot of fun. I really love working on this. Um, if you've got anything else you think I'd be a good fit for, I'd, you know, I'd appreciate it if you'd give me a shout. So basically, so after um, the Spider-Punk and um, Edge of Spider-Verse that you get in, you talk to Nick, um, and then he offered you um, Daughters of the Dragon, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, as a chance to have it, they had this Daughters of the Dragon book going, um, but I guess whoever they had before uh, had dropped out or whatever, whatever reason it wasn't going to work, and they needed yep. someone to fill in like as soon as possible. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, Daughters of the Dragon was were the characters we used in our first Dazzler story, you know, the characters I like. And, you know, I was real psyched to go not from one issue to, you know, here, here's a full six issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. And, and then that was kind of it. Like Daughters of the Dragon, it didn't, it didn't sell huge because, mm-hmm. it was, you know, it's digital first. It's not going to have the same outreach as something in a comic shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was something that uh, a lot of editors liked. Uh, people people saw something in it that you know was you know exciting entertaining for them and that's where basically the rest of my work came from went from there to uh man without fear yes uh ghost panther Mm -hmm. and then finally black cat yes because Uh you know nick again gave me a call he's like listen i've got something for you Mm -hmm. i really i really love daughters of the dragon but obviously we can't do another daughters of the dragon series because you know it's just, you know, it wouldn't sell right now. Yeah. But in some ways, like, oh, we're doing Black Cat. We're spinning it off out of Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And I basically want the same kind of thing that you did with Daughters of the Dragon, do it with Black Cat. You mm-hmm. know, just, you know, high energy, a lot of excitement, a lot of action, mm-hmm. jokes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that kind of, that opened a lot of doors for me. Like Black Cat was pretty well received. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people liked it. Yes. And that's kind of my, my, my biggest deal uh, so far. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then from there, other stuff has, uh, you know, kind of tumbled out of it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Then now we're going to go into your, your new series that you're going to be working on, Moon Knight. So I'm sorry. So I'm just going to explain to listeners because in case either, you know, listeners or even new comic book fans that are tuning into this episode, I just want to give them, you know, a little bit of a background, their, you know, his origin and so forth like that and who the creative team were because Moonlight, now correct me if I'm wrong, Moonlight is like one of those B or C-list characters, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy who's been around for a long time, yes. but he's uh, always kind of blipping in and out of publication. Yes. So, so okay, so... Um, and like I said, you can cr- correct me if I'm wrong in any of this part. So Moon Knight was created by, I'm going to try to pronounce the writer's name correctly, Doug Mensch and artist Don Perlin. Now, Moon Knight's first appearance is in, was in Werewolf by Night, number 32. That was um, back in August of 1975. The facsimile edition is currently out in stores um, today. It was released on, um, the facsimile edition was released today on July 7th. Now, the origin, I'm going to how Marvel puts their little origin blurbs. This is from Moon Knight number one in 2016. Mercenary Mark Spencer, uh, Spectre, Mark Spectre died in Egypt under a statue of the moon god Khonshu. In the shadow of the 
ancient deity, Mark returned to life and took on Kanshu's aspect to fight crime on, for his own redemption. He went to he went completely insane and disappeared for a time, but returned to protect those who travel by night. Um, and again, for you know, for listeners that are you know want to are looking for a new series to jump on, or if you're a new comic book reader, you know, check out this new um, series, Moon Knight, um, that's going to be out in stores on July 21st. Um, <clears throat> so my question to you, Jed, is you know, have you read any of the 1980 Moon Knight series? Yeah, I read. Uh, I don't know if I read it all, but I've certainly read most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when you're asked to pitch something, you kind of have to get familiar with something really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you read as much as you can, and then yeah. you kind of do a skim for the rest just to get your grounding, your bases covered. And then you, you go back and you'll fill in, fill in the blanks and yeah. your, uh, you know, the stuff that you missed or whatever. So yeah, I've read, I think almost all of the moon, all of them. Moon Knight at this point. Wow. So mm-hmm. kind of went back and, you know, cause you're always, you're always digging. You're always looking for something that's interesting to bring up, looking for something that is worthwhile to, you know, to resurrect for mm-hmm. a modern story. Yes. Something that I th- as it's something I find very interesting as far as working in a shared universe. Cause there's mm-hmm. so much history there. And there's mm-hmm. so much to dig into uh, while also at the same time, uh, not wanting to be bound by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you because, you know, I sent you the questions and I'm going to ask, did you ever read this two part uh, Moon Knight story that was in the Rampaging Hulk magazines back in the 80s? I, you know. Yeah, that was the one that um, went into Mark's background as a CIA agent, right? It was like the, the, the Brainiac helmet guy. I'm not sure. Because his brother, all, I believe. Yes, his brother. Well, I know he had yeah. to do with his brother. And wasn't it his brother turned out to be a serial killer? Yes. Yeah. yeah there's because yeah, there's there's a couple of those. I feel like there's a couple of black and white uh, Moon Knight stories in those magazines. Yeah. So there's one where I'm getting them mixed up now. Cause like I said, I read I read a lot of them in uh, very yeah. quick succession, so the details yeah. start to blend together a bit. Yeah. But yeah, like there's uh, the one where his you know his I believe his his he and his, his brother were both working with the CIA, and then he betrayed him but yeah i i have i have read them but again i think the details are starting to blur together a little bit yeah but because i'm sorry i only the only reason why i brought that up is because you know i I, i've read some moon knights here and you know issues here and there Mm -hmm. but that was that rampaging hulk magazine i remember reading that and um i know those magazines back then were a little bit for more mature audiences and like for me as a 12 13 year old Mm -hmm. kid reading you know, this, um, you know, because back then comics were pretty much tame with their violence. But for me to yeah. read that one Moon Knight story where it's like, oh my God, this guy, how this guy's killing, you know, actually, you know, how is this guy's, you know, killing. Just a, yeah, because he was like a, it's like an axe murderer. Yeah. You know, like a, oh yeah, because he had a, he had like a goblin mask kind of thing going on. Yeah. And yeah, okay. I, I remember what you're talking, the, uh, that a showdown in Central Park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. Uh, I was getting that confu- getting that confused with another black and white story. But yeah, those those black and white magazines were really exciting. Uh, my favorite was Savage Tales. I think two and three. It had the two part Barry Windsor Smith Red Conan Red Nails story, and it was this spectacular. It's just like because I, like, I love the Barry Windsor Smith Conan stuff. You know, it's like came up on it. 
but that savage tail stuff the, the red nails story was just it was so completely over the top with its violence and mm-hmm. uh, but everything was so like perfectly and beautifully rendered in black and like it's really stark black and white yes yeah it's, it's wonderful stuff oh man i gotta track that down <laughs> so thank you thank you for that recommendation but now i gotta track that down okay so um um i'm gonna ask so um you know what drew you to the moon knight character uh, I like Moon Knight. He's, he's a character that, you know, I think I was first introduced to from the Marvel superheroes trading cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I didn't know anything about him as, you know, a lot of the characters that for, for me, that was my introduction to a lot of characters, just, you know, here's your trading card. Here's their name. Here's a little blurb about who they are. Yes. Uh, let, you know, here's their power stats or whatever. And, you know, he's, some, he's someone who's instantly striking. He's got a cool name. You know, he's got a cool look, you know, the white costume with the hood, yeah. uh, the big cape. And so it's always kind of stuck with me like, oh, it's, you know, he's, he seems really cool. Uh, the first time I remember getting into the character was probably the 2014 Moon Knight series, uh, which, I was, which I was very taken with when it came out. Because um, it was, you know, it was very street level, but also very weird. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, for me, I think that's where I like Moon Knight the best where, you know, he's on the streets, uh, but he's not just, you know, beating up muggers or, uh, you know, dealing with the gangs. Uh, instead, he's dealing with weird things that him being a weird guy mm-hmm, is yeah. perfectly uh, perfectly suited to deal with. And I think that's a particular niche in the Marvel Universe that suits him very well, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're focusing on in our uh, upcoming series. Mm-hmm. You know, street level, but strange. Yes. So, and then, um, let's see, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to jump ahead a bit and I'll probably come back to uh, uh, some questions, come back around some questions. Sure. So, um, okay, so, um, um, so now in your um, Moonlight um, series, is the Midnight Mission, is it new to the Marvel Universe? Yeah, that was something... Uh, I created when I was coming up with what I wanted to do for Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was emailed in I think October. Uh, do you know Tom Brevoort was looking to put together a new Moon Knight series? Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't really know what he wanted it to look like. Yeah. So he's he was you know asking around to a bunch of writers saying what's what's your take on Moon Knight? Uh, mm-hmm. What would you yeah what would you like to do with the character? And mm-hmm. something that kind of struck me with the character of Moon Knight, you know, he's he has the title of the station of the Fist of Khonshu. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of that, he's you know he's the high priest of Kanchu, and this idea of Moon Knight as a priest, uh, I found very interesting mm-hmm. because it's so contradictory in so many ways. Um, you know, in the in the wake of um, the age of Kanchu, yes. Moon Knight and Kanchu are not on great terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you know, similarly, you know, Mark is Mark has is of Jewish Jewish heritage, yeah, and oh. that's going to that's not something that goes really well with being the priest of an Egyptian God. Yes. And, you know, and thinking about stuff like that, I thought it'd be really interesting to basically give him a home base, you know, the mm-hmm. midnight mission. It's, it's like, it's like a mission mm-hmm. uh, you find in, in any city, except this is where his base is where he goes to, you know, beat up strange things at night to protect people. Mm-hmm. And it's something that makes him, uh, um, accessible to people. People know where to find him, mm-hmm. and people can come to ask him for help. Mm-hmm. And 
it makes him it gives him a certain level of vulnerability mm-hmm. because he's basically claiming territory and saying this is my territory these are my people that i look after yeah. if you mess around in my territory things are going to go very poorly for you mm-hmm. as opposed to you know being a mysterious avenger of the night where you know no one knows where to find him he just has to turn up here mm-hmm. he's putting himself on the line he's putting himself out there mm-hmm. and i thought that was a, a an interesting kind of new direction for him yeah. and similarly it lends itself well to an almost procedural way of storytelling mm-hmm. where we're starting off i'm trying to make each issue its own contained story yes mm-hmm. uh, it all it all feeds into the larger story as it goes on mm-hmm. but if you buy an issue of moon knight you get a full story mm-hmm. you know you see what happens from beginning to end Yes. As well as obviously building up as we go on. Mm-hmm. And I think the, you know, the midnight mission setting is conducive to that. Mm-hmm. You know, new issue, new person's got a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, new issue, a new difficulty has risen in, mm-hmm. in you know, Moon Knight's territory that he's you know, tagged with his crescent moon spray paint. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, let's see. Um, you know, um, will you be introducing any uh, and no spoilers. Like, we be interested no, no, in new friends or characters to this series? Yeah, we're when when I started working on it, uh, there was some kind of you know editorial guidance where they say, you know, this is this here's some things that we want to want to look at in the story. Here's some things mm-hmm. we want to stay away from. Yes, and we wanted to not necessarily go back to the same wild and nice supporting cast. Um, yes. <clears throat> you know, he's had. A uh, pretty regular supporting cast over the years, yes. but time has kind of taken its toll on those characters, and we wanted to start start fresh. So, you know, maybe build up a little more of his corner of the world, mm-hmm. and look at what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So we've got you know new characters coming in to help him out, or to, you know to be a part of his life. Mm-hmm. We have old friends from way back mm-hmm. who maybe wouldn't necessarily expect are going to be turning up one of which i think will be revealed this month when this list's come out mm-hmm. <clears throat> um so, you know we've got new enemies for him to deal with and you know new to him enemies mm-hmm. where you know care you know villains or you know yeah. baddies who are already established in the marvel universe but who are not moon knight characters yes mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we're kind of shuffling the puzzle pieces around and seeing what what we can build with them mm-hmm. that's pretty cool um going back to the um Midnight Mission. Now, the thing is, um, I saw a preview page of, and correct me if I'm it was, you had the character of, it, it was Mr. Knight, correct? In his suit, and he's on the yeah. phone. Um, that looked awesome. It, it was just a nice dark yeah. contrast of the colors. Yeah, Alessandro and uh, Rochelle have been doing great work, just like making this look like a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. it's, and that's kind of the thing that we're leaning into is, you know, at the midnight mission, he's Mr. Knight. And he's out in the streets busting heads. He's Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. So kind of building that, you know, dichotomy of identity and then yes. trying to figure out where Mark Spector fits in mm-hmm. between these two sort of personas that he puts on. Yes. Okay. Um, and then um, how did you and um, now I'm going to try to pronounce your artist name, Alessandro. How did you guys team up? Uh, it was, it just all came from editorial. Uh, okay. Tom Brefort, I uh, was putting together the team, so he got me in to write it. Then um, Alessandro had 
was you know he's he's quite new, so it's it's uh you know a good fresh new find. Excuse me. I uh, had some you know pages in with Ricky Purden, the the talent management yes. guru over at Marvel, and yeah, he basically Tom saw his work, said let's let's put him in, let's give him a try, and that's that's where I came. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm gonna um, now. Did you guys make a real conscious effort to you know not to let Oscar Isaac because we know Oscar Isaac is going to play. Mm-hmm. Moon Knight in the Disney Plus series. Did you guys make a real effort, you know, not to let Oscar Isaac influence how Mark Spector should look or sound? Uh, I mean, it's not really been an issue. Um, okay. You know, we haven't we haven't seen anything of Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight mm-hmm. at this point. So I basically have nothing to. I would have nothing to draw upon. Okay. So it's not uh, it's not it's not been a difficulty at this point. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. okay. All right, and then um, now I know that you mentioned that you know we we probably will see you know some characters or even some villains that's not um, you know that's you know not part of uh, you know Moon Knight's Rogue Gallery mm-hmm. pop in to you know fight Moon Knight, but I just wanted to ask you know will we see Black Cat or Taskmaster pop up in in, in the series? I mean, it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll <clears throat> we'll see how it goes. I mean, I love putting both you know black cat and taskmaster wherever i can so yeah. it, w- it would not surprise me if in the future they did turn up uh, i have no plans at current but mm-hmm. we'll see uh, we'll see how it shakes out down the line okay and then now i saw some of the preview pages of moon knight now you've included some vampires is that correct yep oh, that's pretty cool <laughs> i mean okay. if you want street level weirdness uh vampires are always a good shorthand for uh, basically any any evil that you can think of you know these vampires are so like a, a real sort of shitty multi-level marketing self-improvement cult so uh that's that's what that's what you, you know just they don't need a lot of introduction so yeah. they're a great way to start yeah um i have to say this because um when i read black cat number one and i saw the short story that you wrote um and correct me if i'm wrong um because it was a younger it was a younger black fox the character yes. And he was playing cards against um, Dracula, correct? Yeah, that was pretty cool. I love. Yeah, that was uh, that was a period of time where I was very I was very excited by the fact that Dracula was a Marvel character. I'd forgotten that for some reason for a while, yeah. and um, I think I was trying to put Dracula on a whole bunch of stuff at that point in time, mm-hmm. as well as Ulysses Bloodstone, who yes. was a popular obsession for a while. Uh, so. I got Dracula and Ulysses Stone in that black that uh, Mike Dowling drew, which was, it was a bit of a personal triumph. <laughs> but I, I have to say, a um, couple things is, at the end of Black Cat Number, sorry, I know we're kind of, I'm going off the cuff here, but yeah. it was so cool to see the return of the Black Fox, because I remembered him fondly from Tom DeFalco and um, Ron Friend's run in the Spider-Man comics. It was so cool mm-hmm. to see him back. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a happy instance of collaboration. Actually, um, uh, when I was first putting this pitch together for the book, mm-hmm. I come up with just like I, I made up a character who was to be Felicia's mentor, and Nick Lowe, the editor, and Nick Spencer on Amazing Spider-Man, mm-hmm. both kind of put their heads together, like, well, "Why don't you use the Black Fox instead? That seems to be a much better choice." 
I was like, I have no idea who the Black Fox is, but I looked it up and this is perfect. Mm -hmm. And looking back now, I don't know. I don't know how that role could have been taken by anybody else but the Black Fox. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a real, it's real happy bit of collaboration there. It's a a good note to take. That's pretty cool. It really works. So, okay. Um, I'm slowly wrapping things up. Do you have any insights on why fans love Moon Knight? You know, that has been around for 46 years and literally you've seen it, you know, because you've done the, you know, you've done all the back issue reading, like has, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how many volumes, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. um, Jeepers, what volume is this? I know. I don't, I don't know. I'd I'd have to look to see uh, what it's listed as. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, it's Moonlight, I don't know, like volume six? Probably, I think it is, yeah. But yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I think people like Moon Knight because, I mean, he's, on one hand, he's something very familiar. You know, he's a caped street level uh, vigilante of the night. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, he's also a real mess. Mm-hmm. Like he's, and like, I'm not even talking about his dissociative identity disorder, which like that's that's often what people go to and say, oh, well, you know, Moon Knight is mentally ill and you know, yeah. he's wild and wacky. But you know, having done a certain amount of reading on him, it you know, ninety nine percent of his problems in life are not based on his mental illness. They're based on his decisions, uh, you know, his addiction to violence, his uh, you know, his tumultuous relationship with Kanchu. Mm-hmm. And I really, it always interests me that. He's just a guy who's such an outsider and he's so alienated. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's a superhero that none of the other superheroes like, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of you know, the opposite of how I was playing Black Cat, where Black Cat is a criminal, but everybody likes her. Yes. Moon Knight is a hero, but nobody likes him. Everyone mm-hmm. thinks that he's you know, erratic or uh, you know, difficult, to be, <laughs> difficult to be around. Yes. And that, that idea of this superhero, this you know, cape vigilante, who's an outsider even to other superheroes. I think that just is something that a lot of people like and a lot of people pick up on. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that can, you know, provide a lot of, you know, pathos to this character because I mean, he's built up his life, his life and burned it down so many times at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you go through his whole history, he's always, he's always trying something new and inevitably it goes bad somehow. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of the tension points of where we're starting here is because, you know, Obviously, with this new number one, he's trying something new. He's mm-hmm. trying to rebuild, trying to build a life, he's trying to figure out who he's trying to figure out who is Mark Spector. What does it mean to be the fist of Conchu without the backing of Conchu? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why why would he still call himself that? Why is he still calling himself Moon Knight? And you know, we've we've seen him try to build his life up from scratch many times. Is this time going to be different? Mm-hmm. You know, it will hopefully we're all in Mark's corner just pulling for him, but he's also his own worst enemy a lot of times. <laughs> that is a very pretty in-depth um, insight about Moon Knight. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, I, it, I also think he's a character that gives readers something they don't necessarily get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to use this kind of shorthand, like, Oh, Moon Knight's just Batman. But yeah. He's not mm-hmm. like it's, it's they're, like, yes, they have capes and they run around at night and they throw things at people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Muna is also quite rich from time to time, depending mm-hmm. on how his fortunes are going. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you couldn't, 
they're they're wildly different. You know, Bruce Wayne was a millionaire playboy driven by vengeance. Moon Knight was a war criminal trying to make up for his past. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. That's the the, the Moon Knight is Batman thing always irks me. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, I mean, it's 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 easy and it's lazy. So I guess I understand why people like it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So a um, couple final questions, and before and then I'll start asking some fun questions and wrap mm-hmm. it up. Sure. Um, okay. So Drew submitted this. You know, where do you see the comic book industry going? you know, for the remainder of 2021? Because I know last year during the pandemic, there were shutdowns, mm. cutbacks, and so forth. Uh, I mean, I, I, I hope we have a healthy comic industry. I think mm-hmm. people are, you know, people are going back to stores. Yes. I'm trying to see shows and conventions coming back again. Um, it's, I think, you know, comics, I think are being as healthy now as they ever, as they've ever been. Mm-hmm. But, what I would like to see as we go forward is, you know, trying, trying to reach new readers, trying to reach people who aren't typically served by what comic books are, what they think comic books are. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm not, I'm not just talking about, you know, the Marvel DC mm-hmm. uh, ecosystem, but I just think there's so much room for comic books to be a method of storytelling <clears throat> that gradually people are getting over any sort of, you know, preconceptions or, you know, I, I don't like using the term stigma because it seems a bit silly, but um, it's just, there, you know, whatever you want, there's a comic book for you, whatever form of comic book that might look like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, maybe it's a superhero book, maybe it's an indie book, maybe it's, uh, you know, original graphic novels, maybe it's manga, maybe it's, you know, European stuff. Like it's, there's, there's something out there for everyone, you know, yes. people, no matter how wildly different your tastes are, I think they, you could be well served with comics mm-hmm. and I'd like to see that awareness grow larger. I'd like to see people who maybe felt they don't have a place in mm-hmm. comics either on the creator side or the reader side. Uh, I'd like that to change. Yeah. You know, I, I think that we should have so many more types of viewpoints, so many more types of experiences um, put out there by creators, mm-hmm. you know, creators of different experiences, uh, different backgrounds, what yeah. have you. Mm-hmm. And because I think that's the only way you're really going to get that audience. Yes. I mean, I could, I can tell stories however I want, mm-hmm. but ultimately my point of view is still just going to be, you know, some white dude mm-hmm. where I would like to see those voices expanded to, you know, people of many different experiences, you know, racial backgrounds, gender identities, yes. uh, sexualities, what have you. Mm-hmm. So, Hopefully that's what we see moving forward. Yeah, no, yes. Yeah. And I agree with that because like you said, comics, you know, sh- you know, for new readers should reach, it should be for anyone and actually everyone. Yeah. 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 And I mean, like, obviously I'm not really interested in, uh, you know, neo-Nazis having, being well served by comic books. Like, you know, yeah. screw that. But I but you know, but like, you know what I, where I'm coming from here. Yes. No, yeah. Um, um, yeah, because it's, because I mean, literally, I mean, who knows from now, like, you know, um, an Asian, and I'm just kind of going on to cuff here, like, sure. Yeah. Like, um, you know, um, you know, like an Asian, either a boy, girl, or, you know, whatever gender identity, when they read either like a Asian Hulk, you know, that came out, I think, 
you know, five years ago, you know, in 10 years could be, you know, um, a comic book writer because they were influenced by that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, that's the thing, like I can, you know, when I, when I introduce new characters, try to introduce new characters that maybe uh, people who are not commonly represented in comic books can, you know, can identify with. Yes. But ultimately, but ultimately my, um, you know, my creation of these characters or my use of these characters isn't, isn't ever going to be hundred percent authentic because it's just not a viewpoint or it's not an experience that I share. Yes. So, you know, as a writer, we try to put, put ourselves in the shoes of other people, but, ultimately the best work is done from a place of, you know, authentic experience. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, because I'm going to, I'm going to point this out is that the reason why I love uh, Alpha Flight True North, your short story is because, you know, now correct me if I'm wrong, you grew up on Prince Edward Island, right? Yep. Because I didn't know that, you know, because when Puck, I think it was Puck that said, you know, oh yeah, here we are at PEI beach or something. I'm going, what's P? Yeah. Then it took me a while to go, oh, it's Prince Edward Island. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that's, that's a very sort of, <clears throat> you know, frivolous sort of representation. Uh, but again, like, it's something that I was excited to do. I'm like, you know, I'm going to send an alpha flight story where I came from, you know, yeah. my specifically, you know, in Cavendish Beach, around where I used to live, mm -hmm. where I used to work. And you know, I, PEI hadn't been an issue of uh, Marvel Comics for, I think, 20-some years. I think mm -hmm. Atuma invaded it once in the Adventures or Namor. I don't remember. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like, it, it was fun. It was fun to go back to a place where I'm from yeah. and, you know, talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I would like, you know, I would, I would like other people to have that chance. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to continue. I'm going to start wrapping this up. Can you talk about any of your new projects? No spoilers or, you know, whatever you can talk about, you know, any new projects coming up, any, you know, you know, I know you have another uh, mini series coming out from Marvel, any other works from the other um, publishers or anything? Uh, currently all I work is Marvel, except for the magic the gathering series, uh, working on it. Boom. Mm -hmm. uh, magic is, you know, going along full tilt. We had issue, four come out today yes issue four um so we're next issue i'm, I'm looking forward to coming out i think there's a, a pretty neat revelation that uh, hopefully people will enjoy mm -hmm. um other than that you know black cat's still coming out uh yes. next issue is out the 28th okay um obviously moon Knight's 21st mm -hmm. and uh coming down the pipe we have the death of dr strange yes mm -hmm. so we're uh Killing Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go to fun questions. Um, you know, um, what was your best convention moment or moments? You know, like whether it's meeting a creator or a media guest or, you know, as you as a fan or, you know, if you're yeah. a writer at a convention. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've never actually been to a convention until I, work, until I started working professionally in comics. Okay. Uh, it's just, it was just never something I really got around to. You know, mm -hmm. There's a couple of conventions. There's Halcon here in Halifax. There's uh, Dartmouth Comic Arts Festival just across the bridge. But uh, I just never really got around to it. Mm -hmm. So 
I'd say my, I'm trying to think of my best con memory beer, like, you know, my biggest meeting would be, I don't know. I, I, I did talk to Art Adams when I was at New York Comic Con the first time. He, uh, he had just drawn a section of um, the first issue of Spider-Verse that I wrote. Mm-hmm. I think it was like three pages, four pages, but he had done such a great little sight joke in the background mm-hmm. that I was so taken with that I, I hadn't written. He just made it up. Yeah. Because uh, basically Miles, he goes through a portal, he lands in this like monster version of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that, you know, he tries to swing away and then the, the Spider-Man of this gen- of this dimension is like a, a monster. He's got like four arms and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had drawn the Peter Parker version of Spider-Monster mm-hmm. running away in the background with his like spider sense going off. So yeah. like, running off to change his costume. I was like, man, that was so good. Like it was such a good joke that uh, I really wish I thought of it. He's like, oh yeah, you, you, you can have that. You can say you made that up. I'm like, I won't, but thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Um, have you and your wife been to Hawaii? No, never. Um, I've, I've crossed the Pacific a few times. I used to live and work in Korea for a couple of years. I uh, lived and worked in China for a year, but I've never, never stopped. Never stopped. It's from one, one continent to the other. Mm-hmm. I'd love, I would love to visit sometime. Um, I mean, I, I grew up watching tapes of Magnum PI, so it's got a special, a special spot in my heart, but we haven't made it there yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Again, where can um, people f- um, follow you on social, uh, on your Twitter? I'm sorry. Yep. Twitter, Twitter is the best. You're welcome to follow me on Instagram. I don't post anything. Uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure I locked down the name in case I used it later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, any last words to our listeners? Uh, none, really. I, I uh, hope, if you're not familiar with the books that I've been working on, I hope maybe this will convince you to give them a try. Uh, I think you'll like them. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm also a bit of a biased source. But uh, yeah, thank, thanks for listening. No. And thanks for having me on the show. No, Jed, thank you very much. So, you know, again, Jed, you know, you know, thank you very much for your time, you know, and giving me the opportunity to interview. Thank you very much. No, no problem. I was happy to talk about comic books. And then just a reminder, listeners, Moon Knight number one comes out on July 21st. If you get a chance, please put this on your pull list. Um, also, too, I want to give a big mahalo again to Tony for setting up this interview. So, again, mm-hmm. Tony, thank you very much. And I want to thank Drew, my co-host, you know, for Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together and for all your hard work behind the scenes. You know, and please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. You know, and I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha. Uh-huh.